jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. This is Body Tonic Radio with Jennifer DeLuca on jasoncharles.net. Hello, I'm Jennifer DeLuca and welcome to Body Tonic Radio. Today, I have a very special guest, an expert and an iconic figure. I am thrilled to finally bring Cindy Lee to our program Cindy is the founder of Om Yoga Center in New York City, which became a mecca for yogis worldwide. She has trained countless teachers all over the city, the country, and the world. She is the author of books, including the classic yoga text, Yoga Body, Buddha Mind, and she is a regular contributor to publications such as Real Simple and Yoga Journal. Hello, Cindy. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast. I am super excited to talk with you about meditation. Uh, You've been teaching meditation for 30 years. And you know, this is a show about mind, body and soul. And I'm curious where you think meditation fits in with mind, body and soul, and maybe even how you would define meditation. Well, I think that There's a lot of different ways to meditate, but the kind of meditation that I have been trained in primarily is mindfulness meditation. And so we can think of that as a conscious placing of the mind. Mm. Um, Sometimes it's called training the mind or taming the mind. And when I was younger, I didn't like that term. I was like, I don't want my mind to be tamed. You know, <laughs> I want to be wild and free. Um, <laughs> but, but actually, once you start to uh, get familiar with your mind, which is really what practice is about, is getting familiar. When you get familiar with your own mind, you start to recognize how the mind works. And it, you know, it flits about from here to there and can get very dense with thoughts You know, we consider the brain almost like a sense organ or like a sense organ that secretes thoughts. And that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there are moments of quiet and settling and spaciousness and a sense of of gap or in yoga, we would say Narodaha. And that's also a natural way that our mind works. And so it's not exactly about changing any of that but really getting familiar with how we are Mm -hmm. and then making choices around how we can work with that. Mm. So, you know, we don't, I don't really want to stop my creativity or my sense of discovery or my ability to puzzle things out or my ability to plan Mm. um, or my ability to think about the past and learn from that. But I want to be able to, to do that in a way that, is useful. Mm. And I can also then cultivate certain natural qualities by focusing on them, such as compassion. Mm. And so these are, these are all sort of ways that I think of why we meditate and Mm. what the point of it is. 
One of the first things that comes to mind as you were talking, actually, is that I felt a lot of the things in my body as you were talking. Mm. So Mm -hmm. as you were talking about, you know, having lots of stuff on your mind, um, my body might get a little more tense. Mm -hmm. You, you know, mentioned the word calming or centering or any of those kinds of words. I feel a little more relaxed. And you're a yoga practitioner, too. And so can you talk a little bit about that, how the body and the mind can work together? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the big questions. And, you know, I always love to quote Inkyo Roshi, who's the abbot of the village Zendo in downtown New York. And she began one meditation session by saying, we start by organizing that part of our mind we call our body. Mm. which was which was her instruction for, you know, take your seat and, you know, um, cross your legs and organize your posture. Um, but, you know, really what she's saying is we have two names. We have a name called body and we have a word called mind, you know, and really they're not the same, but they're the same. You know, you can't meditate without your body, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so that's part of why we organize our posture, you know, to show that we can support that possibility of clarity and strength and stability in our mind and our body. And I can tell you that from having, I had really bad injuries a couple of years ago from arthritis and no cartilage in my hips. And as it got worse and worse and worse and worse, I could see my mind changing. I, mm. I I didn't have mental clarity. I felt like as my body was getting weaker, my mind was getting softer mm. and, and, you know, less sharp. And that was not a good feeling. Mm. And so there's no doubt to me that they're, that they're either the same thing or they're intertwined. And, you know, there's a million ways that we sort of struggle to communicate this idea. Mm. But if you work with your mind, you are working with your body. And we even think sometimes, well, you know, if you're working with your body, you can ignore your mind, but your mind doesn't go away. Mm. You know, you're still thinking, you're still not thinking. Sometimes you're still coming into awareness and then spacing out. You're still experiencing emotions and thinking about those emotions when you're doing yoga or Pilates or walking down the street or having sex or, you know, Mm -hmm. anything that you would think of as kind of a body thing, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Also, another thing that I really love to share is that um, one of my teachers, Alan Sanaki, who is a vice abbot of the Oakland Zen Center, told me once that he asked his teacher, what are you doing when you're meditating? And his teacher said, I'm correcting my posture. Hmm. And that was really interesting to me because you're talking about one Zen master asking another Zen master, you uh-huh. know, what are you doing? And you kind of think that maybe you're going to get something a little more lofty right. as an answer right. or something mysterious or a groovy koan or something, you know? Right. And what you get is I'm correcting my posture. In other words, you know, your body will wake you up. Mm. And you know this, you mm-hmm. know, like injury at the same time that maybe I felt my mind being soft. I felt my life very vibrantly. And then during that same period of time when I had, you know, so much pain in my body, I went on a very deep eight day, nine day silent Zen retreat. And I had to use the pain of my body as where I placed my mind, because if I tried to ignore it and place my mind on my breath, it didn't work. The pain was too intense. Mm. So that was how I meditated. So it's not 
separate. I think some people are under the impression that when you meditate, you're kind of escaping, you know, and really what you're doing is you're, you're becoming friendly with yourself in all of the bits, whether they're, you know, painful or, or, or fantastic, you know? Um, And another thing that you mentioned as you were talking where, you know, you talked about teachers and one of my questions for you today is really about what a meditation teacher might bring to the table. Like how does one lead someone in meditation? And for those listeners who maybe are curious about meditation, but haven't, haven't gotten into it, if they want to find a teacher, like what can they expect that a meditation teacher might bring? Well, you know, so the first part, when you said about we we're making friends with what comes up, I think that there is this idea that, you know, everything irritating will go away and it'll just be a peaceful experience. And that isn't necessarily what will happen, but we do sometimes think of it as you're taking a vacation from worrying taking a vacation from making a list, you're taking a vacation from, you know, thinking about your finances, you know, et cetera, or going over that old grudge that you mm-hmm. have, all that will come up. But if you are working with a method and the method that we use, as you know, is very simple. You place your mind on the feeling of the breath. When your mind strays and you realize that you, you recognize that moment of, of gap and then you replace the mind. So some of these things are very tempting, or we call them shempas, hooks, seductions. You know, it's, it seems so boring uh, to sit and meditate or like really I should be doing something, you know, and so when you get a thought, then you might want to go into that thought. But the practice and the strength and the muscle that you're building, the commitment that you're building is just right now, we're not doing that. <laughs> just uh-huh. right now, you let go of the thought, and you come back to the breath because that's the training. It doesn't mean when you're not meditating that you shouldn't think about your finances or, you know, um, anything else that's going on in your life, but you're taking a vacation from that in a way Mm. when you're meditating. And so in that way, it's a gift, you know, then you were talking about training what a meditation teacher can do. I think really to start at the beginning of that, I would say that the traditional wisdom in the Buddhist path is that you, try a few different things. And I think this is a really important point. Sometimes it has happened with many people that you go to a meditation class, you're like, this is just what I need. This is just what I want. And you do that for the rest of your life. But for a lot of us, we we go to this teacher and we go to that method and we go to this class and that class. You know, this is called shopping around. Uh-huh. <laughs> and educating yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think you, I would say the same thing with yoga and, you know, a lot of other things. And eventually, ideally, you will find the class, the method, and this teacher that seems to be helping you and that you feel safe with and you feel inspired. And for some reason, you know, that's what you want to continue. And then you stick with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my teacher, Gallic Rinpoche, would say, then you stick with your teacher unless they ask you for money or sex. Um, and then he would say, <laughs> that is good advice. 500 miles, you know, <laughs> but but otherwise you can stick with your teacher and then you can go deeper and then you're on your way. Then you have a path. And the teacher in meditation in in this method, this mindfulness method, 
meditation, there there are steps along the way, how you work with your body, how you work with your gaze, and how you work with your mind, and getting familiar with yourself, getting familiar with the contents of your mind, getting familiar with how your mind works, getting familiar with what you're resisting, and getting familiar also with just sort of the quality of your mind. Sometimes you're very sluggish. People will really want to meditate, but every time they sit down, they fall asleep. So, you know, there are ways to work with that mm. and ways to, to think about that. Mm. And there are other people who are just super hyper and there are ways to work with that. And, you know, not too tight, not too loose. And so there's there are a lot of things that a teacher can do to help you evolve your practice in a way that is yours. I just want to pause for a second to just say you're listening to Body Tonic Radio. I'm your host, Jennifer DeLuca, and today we are talking about meditation with Cindy Lee. So another word uh, that I would love your definition of is the word mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness means placing the mind, mm. you know, and we're always placing the mind because the mind has to be somewhere. Yeah. And the mind is so interesting because even though our body can only be in one place at a time for most of us, ordinary mortals. <laughs> the, your mind can be anywhere. Yeah. Your mind can be across the world. You know, the, the mind can be in the future and the past, and it can be, you know, grocery shopping and, you know, it can be anywhere. And so that's, that's what we call placing the mind. That's what the mind does. Mm. It goes here and it goes there and it goes here and it goes there. Mm. And so it's a natural thing. And one thing that I I love about it so much is this is not about trying to change who we are or reject something we do. It's taking what we're doing already and getting familiar with that. Mm. And then mindfulness meditation then would be called consciously placing the mind. Mm. So we're, we're taking this thing that we're already really good at and we're giving it a little bit of a structure, Mm. you know? So in the practice, we're placing the mind on the breath. Mm. when the mind strays and we recognize that we replace it that isn't particularly natural to replace and replace that's the gym that's the workout Mm. you know Mm. but then in your in your regular life you could be having a conversation with someone and space out Mm. you know and then you have to say oh i'm sorry could you say that again Mm. you know the mind placed itself somewhere else and then you wake up and you recognize that. And that's one of the benefits of practicing mindfulness meditation. You, you start to recognize when you space out. Yeah. You recognize when you are really having a deep thought of, uh, about something that's not happening. Mm. You, know? you know, maybe something that makes you angry or uh, sad. You also recognize when you have an emotion and there's a difference between an emotion and a thought. And often we have an emotion, something can trigger an emotion. Mm-hmm. And then we start to think about the emotion. And then we go into a story. Right. And we're not really feeling the emotion anymore. Right. And the emotion is more likely to arise, abide, and dissolve. Mm. And when we, when we get familiar with that, it's easier to go into our emotions because we don't have to be afraid of them. We don't have to think they're going to stay here forever. Right. You know, you can feel your sadness. And I mean, it might, maybe it'll stay for three years, but it changes. Right. Or when I had all that pain in my body and I used it as the focus for my meditation, I discovered that the pain, which was feeling like, I mean, it was like desperate 
and it was agonizing and it was overwhelming. But when I focused on it, I realized it changed and it, it had dimension and sometimes it even went away Hmm. for a second. And sometimes it would kind of go away, but there was still a sort of shadow of it. And, and, and so that, that was a getting familiar and we can start to recognize our own natural ability to be mindful and how it shows up in our life. And then we can use our tools that we learned from meditation to say, I, I don't want to be obsessing on this thing from the past. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to let that go. Or maybe I'll talk about that in therapy mm. or with my husband mm. or with the person that that was with, you know, maybe I want to deal with that, but I don't need to just hold that when I'm actually walking down the street and it's a beautiful day. You're making me think of this process that we have of avoiding, you know, negative emotions and because we get very good at that, right? If you practice anything, you'll get good at it. So if you Mm -hmm. practice avoiding feelings, then you get good at that. And then they're kind of stirring underneath you all the time. But this skillful, you know, kind of mindfulness practice allows you to recognize that that thing is happening. And that's really the first step to moving through it is is first allowing yourself the moment to say oh I'm really sad about that and oh I've been wishing for this you know been avoiding feeling sad and then you have the sadness and you kind of go oh my god that is such deep sadness and then like you said it moves it changes and you can then get to the end of it that's really powerful well there's there's um in Tibetan Buddhism they talk about afflictive emotions And so, you know, you were talking about negative emotions. I wouldn't really consider sadness a negative emotion. Mm. So afflictive emotions are more like hatred, jealousy, anger. They're kind of these emotions that come up where we want things to be different. Mm. I want that to go away or I want you to change or, you know, something nice happened for you and I'm not happy for you. I'm jealous. I want that for me. You know, these kind of emotions are called afflictive emotions and you know, they come up from attachment or aversion. I want something that I don't have or I don't want something I do have. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, those are uh, emotions that we also get more familiar with, but that we do want to let go of. Mm-hmm. I don't want to practice being angry and get better at that. Mm-hmm. You know, and anger will arise, abide and dissolve as well. And then we might see what's under that. And maybe what's under that is is sadness or feeling unacknowledged or other emotions that that would be good to feel and connect with and and work with. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, because I mean, I you could also sit and get quiet and just realize how happy you are. You know, when yeah. around, what yeah. joy. Well, you that's feel. the other thing. Yeah. Is basically, you you start to have more joy because you're not going into your habitual patterns of being angry, being mad, wanting things to be different, wanting things to be the way you want, you know, conditional happiness, which is if the sun would just shine every day mm-hmm. and everybody would be nice to me and I could make more money, uh-huh. you know, or as Pema Chodron said, people wrote to her and said, if it wasn't for my husband, my marriage would be perfect, <laughs> you know, or if it wasn't for my boss, my job would be perfect. Uh-huh. Or if it wasn't for my mind, my meditation would be perfect, you know, right. but what if we could just feel joy with things as they are? Right. And that a lot of space opens up for that experience to happen from this practice. Yeah. So I have a couple more things. One, one is that, um, I took a workshop with you recently and you used the word delight 
And <laughs> when you said the word delight, I was like, oh, like I was, st- I was almost startled by it. Like it was so rare um, for me to hear that word, I guess. And then also I thought, well, maybe actually that's just me. Like maybe delight isn't something that I'm focused on. And then I mm. thought, well, I wonder if we asked everybody in this room how much they actually think about you know, feeling delight, (laughs) you know, what they would say. And this, it made me think that this season, I really want to focus on joy and body tonic radio. So what do you think about that thought process? I don't remember what I said, (laughs) but (laughs) I like the word delight. And for me, it actually has a sense of lightness, just like your children probably delight you in the most, you know, kooky little, you know, (laughs) their own kooky little things that they do that, you know, you're the mom and you're just like, that is so delightful. (laughs) And, you know, or your partner, or sometimes just walking, you know, like I'm in my house in Santa Fe, and everything about it delights me, you know, the Adobe and the just the whole, you know, I like it here, I like the weather. But it just doesn't have a heaviness to me that that word, Mm. you know, it's something spontaneous, you can just kind of feel like, oh, it cuts through sort of a thick, dense mind, you know, if you a little, uh, cat comes running across the street when you're getting your car or something. Right. And the world can just be, yeah, it's it's, the world can just be kind of heavy sometimes. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think the world would be like if every single person meditated? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, sure. That would be great. I think that would be a good thing. Do you think people would be nicer to each other? I hope so. You know, I mean, I think that there's definitely a lot of nice people that don't meditate. Right. Um, you know, it's an interesting process because sometimes you can get hyper aware of things and then you can get grumpy. I mean, it's right. it's it's just like, you know, if you think about yoga, which is sometimes easier to think about because you can see your body and you can feel your body, you know, it, it much easier than your mind, which you can't see. Sometimes, you know, you go to yoga and after a while, I mean, I remember I just was so high on yoga. It was so cool. It was so amazing, the things that I was doing with my body. I just thought it was fun and I was totally into it, you know, and I'm, I was already a dancer and could do amazing things, but I went to yoga and I couldn't do a chaturanga. So, you know, I was like full of fire and it was you know, a passion and it was fun. And then after a while, when you get into it, sometimes you learn more about something, you see that you, what you don't learn and it gets harder and then right. you can get grumpy and you can get self-judgmental and, you know, all kinds of things can come up even from an awareness, but you can also use your awareness to notice that. Right. And, and I remember Pema children talking about this and, you know, there's again, that's a shimpa, that's a seduction. Oh, I really suck at this kind of thing. But if you can start to recognize when that comes up, then you can have another little voice inside you that that says, ah, there I go again, silly me, you know, and just keep it light mm. because we're not trying to be perfect. Mm. We're, we're just trying to be happy, mm. you know. And so, you know, having a sense of humor about your own mind, you can even find delight in that. Oh, there mm. we go again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. That's great. I want to thank you for spending time with me today. I really feel honored. It's always a delight to talk with you. Um, <laughs> and I want to say to the listeners, um, for more information on Cindy Lee and everything she is doing, 
go to cindylee.com and I'll spell it for you. It's C-Y-N-D-I-L-E-E.com. This is Jennifer DeLuca for Body Tonic Radio on jasoncharles.net and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can send any comments or feedback to me at Body Tonic Radio on Instagram. Thanks again, Cindy. Jen, thank you so much. I just think you're awesome. Huh. And you run your business like a really good lady boss. Oh, thanks. And I love you and I love talking to you. Oh, I love you too. And we'll do it again. <laughs> we'll do it again. Awesome. Thanks okay. so much. On the next episode, part two of my conversation with Cindy Lee. Body Tonic Radio with Jennifer DeLuca on jasoncharles.net. jasoncharles.net Deep talk, deep sounds That was so deep